Hey listeners, welcome to the Learn to Co with Me podcast. I'm your host, Laurence Bradford. Before we get into today's episode, I just want to remind you that you can get the show notes for this episode and every other episode at learntocodewith.me forward slash podcast. And if you enjoy the show, make sure to subscribe on whichever podcast player you listen on. And if you're feeling particularly generous, a review would be awesome too. Here's a quick word from our sponsors who help make the show possible. Flyiron School's online web developer program focuses on community, actual development tools, and features a curriculum that will teach you the skills you need to land a career as a software engineer. Get $500 off your first month by visiting flatironbootcampprep.com. The Product College is an accelerated higher education for the next generation of tech leaders. Only pay tuition after you graduate and launch your career at companies like Facebook and Google. Find out more at makeschool.com. That's M-A-K-E school.com. In today's episode, I talk with Fernando Hidalgo, a self-taught data scientist. We talk about how he taught himself using online courses, his experience with the Metis Data Science Bootcamp, and the importance of marketing yourself if you want a new career in a new industry. Fernando Hidalgo is a self-taught data scientist. He went from being a teacher's assistant to a data scientist in just one and a half years using trial and error, a bunch of online platforms, and a data science bootcamp. He now helps others hack their careers at fernandodata.com. Hey, Fernando, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me, Laurence. Yeah, I'm really excited to chat with you about how you got into data science and how you are a data scientist today. So let's go back in time. What made you decide to get into coding and data science in the first place? Um, Well, in school, I studied economics, and I was always interested in uh, having as much, like having scalable impact. But when after I graduated graduated college, uh, I didn't really find any positions that I wanted. And I feel like the marketplace was a little tough. Um, so then I, you know, started, um, you know, I was like, I tried a bunch of different jobs. I had a, I was also like, a, like you mentioned before, a teacher's assistant for a while. But at night, I was always research like economics, like what's the future of economics? What are people doing in economics like, at the forefront? And I found this, I found this company online called Premise Data. They're in San Francisco, and they basically, using data science, um, are able to calculate economic indices independently of um, countries, and they're able to help areas that maybe nobody knew their like their how their economies are, so they can have like outside investment. And I, that like blew my mind. So right then and there, I went like online and just started researching data science. Uh, I found out how what a great market it is. You can work in any you know any field you want. And so then right then then I just I was like, all right, I'm gonna start doing data science, and I started doing a little bit every day. And that's how I started. Awesome. So you got interested through this other like company that you saw online that was doing something really cool. You began doing research. You learned about data science. And then you just started to teach yourself. That's super awesome. Um, what year was this about? This was uh, two, two and a half years ago. Okay, cool. Two and a half years ago. So you were not working you know, in tech at the time. Um, not at all. Yeah. I knew, you- I knew nothing. Like nothing. 
That's so, I, that's kind of how, I mean, that's how I was when I first got started. I like had no idea about anything related to technology and tech careers options. It's just so fascinating to me how you stumbled upon data science like right away, because at least in my experience, when I began doing online research, I remember seeing a bunch of stuff about like software engineering and um, web development and not so much about data science. So like, what were some of the early resources that you came across that got you to start learning data science? So I think one of the most famous courses in data science is uh, Andrew Ng's machine learning course in Coursera. And I also looked at like Code Academy. Like these are very, if you just click like learn coding on Google, like, or learn data science, like these are the things that are going to come up. So that's, I basically just saw the first ones that were coming up. I also tried, um, in data science, people decide whether they're going to like learn R coding language or Python. So I actually took a, an R uh, coding course uh, with DataCamp too. So I was just like basically just trying different things. Um, but I don't know. I feel like a lot of the early work, like just trial and error, didn't really like what I know now and what I use now and what I remember is not. It's like maybe less than a percentage of what I learned then. So like what? Okay, that's really interesting. So what you you just said basically what you are using now, like less than 1%, or like only 1% was something that you learned back when you first started out. Why is that? I feel like um, a lot of, this is, this is at least the way I've learned and like just through trial and error and stuff. And that's why I really like to help other people because you can like save a lot of time if you know what you're doing and how to approach learning coding and data science is that you have to actually do it. Like when an, um, when I took, all these courses, I was just following. I'm like, I'm going to trust that if I do every single step, then I'm at the end, I'm just going to, I don't know, begin making my own projects or my own like machine learning apps. But what happened was that I took all these courses and like by the end, I, I was just like following or like I didn't, it didn't have any context. So when I was actually faced with a real problem, I didn't know what to do. It, I didn't have any like guidelines. Um, I feel like in, and this is what I've heard from other people, and especially in data science, uh, the majority of people right now that are in high positions or make the courses, they came from like a theoretical background. They have like PhDs, masters, and the way they learned it was through textbooks, um, you know, very uh, theory-based. But the way you actually do it is just like trial and error. You like hack it through and uh, you thinking more about like business problems and um, yeah, just trial and error. So what, when I actually started learning was when I started doing projects, I, I, st I went to um, uh, Udacity and <laughs> I wouldn't recommend this to everybody, but I took their course, took all their material and left and <laughs> just started doing the projects myself. Um, and that actually helped me a lot more because it forced me, like I have a mission, like I'm going to build this app or I'm going to, you know, analyze this data. And then all the theory just fits together naturally. Like I remembered everything because I'm, it's like towards a goal rather than just like learning regression or learning uh, decision trees abstractly. And you don't remember anything. Yeah, I think what you said is so important about actually doing it and actually taking action and executing and not just following along a tutorial or a course blindly. Uh, back in season three, I had on 
Alexander Calloway. He is the creator of the 100 Days of Code movement. This doesn't really relate to data science so much, but he's a huge advocate in just getting people to code on their own every day and like to break away from that course in online tutorial. So I think what you're saying has just a lot related to what he had to say. And I definitely believe that as well, because I know when I was first starting out and I was taking a bunch of courses and going through books and tutorials, just following along, you know, blindly and not actually like putting like not like critically thinking about the business problems and stuff. You don't really learn as much. So I think that's um, great advice. So and for data science, though, at least in my perspective, maybe nowadays it's a bit different. But there's not as many courses, I think, as there are uh, just like basic coding ones, right? I guess I don't know. I don't know too much about like the coding ones. That's why. But <laughs> I, can't, I can't even think, uh, you know, which one I think you. Um, so I checked out your top 10 uh, courses. I, I think it was like 10, 10 tips for learning how to code. Yes. Right? Yes. And uh, in Python, so I checked out obviously Python because that's what I know. And you like the best online course that I've ever had is by uh, you. So I tried a bunch, like uh, like so many, and so many failed. But this one's like the best. And you, it's uh, by Jose Portija, uh and Udemy, and you offer his other Python course in your recommendations. I thought it was awesome. Um, his is very like project based. Um, if you if you go to Udemy, there's so many courses, so many courses, but a lot of them are just theory or just like you just get lost in it. But, you know, I guess I, going back to your question, I guess I, I can't really compare because I don't know that many basic coding courses. I, I just know a bunch of data science ones. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so on that note then, if there's someone listening and they don't have a technical background, they think data science could be for them or is, is a field they want to explore more, what are some resources? Uh, it doesn't even have to be courses. It could be books. It could be newsletters, whatever. What are some that you think are really great today, especially after you've, you know, done so many and you really went through all this trial and error? So I think um, the first place to start, imagine like you don't know Python, you don't know, like you don't know Python, you don't know how to code. I would recommend, or, um, you know, you don't know anything basically. I would recommend uh, Jose Portillo's uh, Python for Machine Learning uh, Bootcamp. And, you know, the first, I don't know, one-fifth of the, one-fifth of it is the bare minimum Python to do data science. And I don't think it's necessary to learn more. Like when you get more advanced, like then you learn more. But he teaches you the bare amount. And then after that, he teaches you, gives you like business problems first. And then uh, gives you the theory to say like, all right, this is how, why this algorithm fits this specific problem. And it just sticks. And, and he, he also like has three different um, ways of learning the same thing. So he'll have it in audio. He'll have it, his IPython notebooks there, all his code there. He'll um, have like a lot of like questions and answer like things. I think it's it's the best course I I think to start with. Uh, there's also a really good book called um, Python um, Python for Machine Learning by Sebastian. Oh, I can't say his last name, but he's on Twitter, um, and he's his book is pretty famous. It's come uh, and the new edition is coming out now. It's it's a very, really uh, popular book for actually uh, learning Python and machine learning by doing. So I did all the projects in that book. Um, I think those two, uh, those two as to begin with are really strong. It's a really good place to start. Okay. Awesome. So the was Jose's Python for machine learning course and that's on Udemy. And then another Python for machine learning book, 
uh, that you mentioned. And we'll definitely include these in the show notes for the listeners, so links that they can easily find these two resources. Okay, awesome. So that's really helpful to know, especially after you've surveyed so many different things that you recommend those for uh, someone just starting out. But of course, um, there's a lot more to, to getting into data science than just you know reading a book and taking a course and so on and so forth. So what did you do next? So like in your journey, you began learning, you began taking these online courses, you began familiarizing yourself. What did you kind what did you do next then to kind of get you know a career in data science? So like obviously I was just starting to get frustrated because I was making progress, but now that I was like, when am I gonna actually get a job in it? So, you know, I uh you know looked up courses like in like person to person and I found the one in GA. So there, uh, you know, I, I basically a lot of the course I already knew because I've already been studying it, but they put a much more focus on projects again. So I was doing projects, but there we would do it in a higher frequency. So um, that really helped me even get more invested in projects. And when I took the, after that, I took the data science bootcamp and there it's all projects and, uh, you know, maybe not to get too ahead, but I think like the last part, once you do all these projects and you learn is like how to market yourself and how to show off the work you're doing to, you know, to get a job. And I think that's where the data science bootcamp, uh, really helped. Um, I, I, you know, I, I still believe that someone could do it without all this stuff, but it's, it almost like compresses everything and makes it faster. Uh, so I was like, all right, either I can trial and error this and spend a little more time or just like try to speed it up. So I, I, that's when I took the course and then ultimately the data science bootcamp. So you did this part-time course at General Assembly, which was like a data science uh, program. And then you did a more full-time data science bootcamp. How long was the uh, full-time data science bootcamp for? It's three months. All right, three months. Did you move to take that or like, did you, did, did there happen to be one in the area you were living? So yeah, I live in New York. So um, I, you know, it was... I had to quit my job, but I, I, it wasn't, uh, I didn't have to move. All right. Awesome. So then do you think those like in-person boot camps, the part-time and, you know, the full-time, did they really help get you to that next level then? So I think, uh, I think in terms of projects, yes, but it, I think it's very, uh, in terms of, uh, knowledge, I think it's almost impossible to learn data science in three months. It's, it's very like, they give you the, the start, um, enough so that you you could do a lot of work for companies, right? Like when you graduate from boot camp, you don't know anything. Um, so you don't know anything at the beginning, and then you uh, finish the boot camp. Um, you're not gonna start doing uh, you know computer vision or very high level things. Like you're gonna start maybe as a junior data scientist, where you're doing more um, data analysis and building small models. Um, but I I think uh, what it did give me, and I think this is like the real virtue of the boot camps is um this this almost like a business like a helping you find a job i think uh like almost like a marketing yourself like how to approach these things how to frame yourself how to frame your history like your past so that it 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 like companies actually say okay this person knows knows enough um you know, we know that, like the, the people that are in the boot camp know that, but in order to sell yourself correctly to the companies. Yeah, I think that, you know, whether you're coming from a coding boot camp or not, and whether you're 
trying to pursue data science or another tech career, I feel like marketing yourself is such an important aspect of landing a new job in a new industry. So what were some of the things that you did to market yourself? Oh, <laughs> so I, I feel like marketing yourself and actually doing the technical work are like, they have very little overlap. So it's like learning a totally different skill. Um, I, you know, I could even name courses. So I read a, a bunch of books uh, uh, on this, and and then I also took uh, some courses on like you know even like learning how to get a job and marketing yourself. But the main takeaways, main takeaways is that and that I used and I thought they were most helpful is, um, you know, once you have these projects, uh, be 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 really good at showing them off. So document all the work you do. Uh, before I would just do projects, just keep it in my computer. And then I don't know why I thought this, but I was like, oh, eventually someone would know. No, no, no one's going to know. Like, you know, now I recommend people. And this is what I started doing is every single thing I did, I would finish it all the way to the end and then put it on my website and say like, you know, this is, and, 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 um, explain the whole thing. Be like, okay, imagine we're trying to optimize, um, What's something I did afterwards? So I built an app. I was like, uh, I know one of my friends, um, she uh, works in real estate. And she was manually looking at houses and then trying to see the houses around it, how much she would price the houses. So I was like, you could just use machine learning for that. So I you know, I scraped a bunch of data online, uh, used a regression model, and predicted uh, how much a house would cost in a certain area, depending on the rooms, the square feet, whatever. And I put that all on my website. I made it so that my employers can go in there, check out the app, and see how the machine learning um, model works, uh, what features I used. Um, so I think you know, building projects, showing them off, is really, really important. Uh, and the other part is that I use is I cold emailed a lot. So once I had built this portfolio and like almost like crafted my story, then I would cold email like 10 people and get two um, responses a week back, like 20% conversion rate. And I would just keep iterating these emails. And, you know, you'd be surprised who's going to email you back. You know, maybe like the majority are going to be, no one's going to respond to you, but someone from a high position would be like, okay, let me just, you know, chat with you. Uh, maybe in, in startups, like the CEO or like someone really high will be willing to meet coffee with you. And that's what happened to me. Um, so I think, you know, doing the projects, showing them off and then, uh, you know, really presenting them well and then showing them off to people that see value in them. I think those three things are really important. We're taking a quick break from this interview to hear a word from our sponsors who help make the Learn to Code with Me podcast a reality. Flatiron School's online web developer program, community-powered bootcamp, and free bootcamp prep courses are perfect for anyone interested in a career change and becoming a developer. Flatiron students come from a range of backgrounds, from financial to creative. What they all have in common is the passion, grit, and determination to learn to love code. Flatiron's rigorous 800-plus hour curriculum will teach you the skills you need to land a fulfilling career as a software engineer. Learn to Code With Me listeners can get an awesome $500 off their first month to get started on that career change. Just visit flatironbootcampprep.com. One online Flatiron student said he'd learn more in a couple of days with Flatiron than a year of computer science classes. 
If you're interested in learning how to think like a real developer while using tools actual developers use, check out Flatiron's online web developer program at flatironbootcampprep.com and claim your $500 discount. If you want to accelerate your tech skills in a higher education setting without student debt, check out Make Schools Product College. As an aspiring software engineer, you'll receive one-on-one coaching, industry mentorship, and build projects with an amazing group of peers. You can take classes in web and mobile development, data science, machine learning, AI, entrepreneurship, product management, and design. Make School has 30 industry partners, including Facebook, LinkedIn, and Etsy that look to hire directly from their diverse community. Their alumni work in engineering roles at Google, Facebook, and top Y Combinator funded startups. And it's awesome to see a school align their incentives with their students' success. You only pay tuition once you've landed a job and they even offer financial assistance for living expenses in San Francisco. What are you waiting for? Deadlines are approaching for their September 2018 start. So to be part of this incredible community in the heart of Silicon Valley, head over to makeschool.com to apply today. That's M-A-K-E school.com. Yes, I love so much of what you're saying. And I love what you said about showing off your projects because you're 100% right. Like you some, you could build something super awesome and really helpful to people. But if you never put it online or you never make an effort to show anyone, no one's ever going to know about it or going to find it. So I love that advice. I also love the advice about a portfolio and a strong personal website. I talk about that all the time, especially for people going to tech and how crucial that is to um, just, yeah, marketing yourself and branding yourself as someone in the tech space. So I have a few questions based on uh, some of the things you're just talking about. First, was the only place you would show your projects on your website or were there was there anywhere else that you put it? Maybe like on GitHub or something? Yeah, GitHub. So GitHub and uh, so before I had a website, I used GitHub, but then I would have it, everything on my website and then a link for the code to GitHub. All right, super smart. It's so like a link to the repository or something on yeah. GitHub. Yeah. Okay, and that'd be on your website, so then the potential employers would see your projects and information about it, and they could click over to see the GitHub repository. Yeah, and in the website, I would talk to like business cases. That's another thing. Like, I feel like in, in data science, uh, people just get like bogged down with like the technical things. Like the like the the person hiring you is going to care like about these little things. I think the majority of, you know, there's some people that are going to be like that, like very technical places, but a lot of companies, like the person just wants a business case solved. And so in my website, I talk about business cases and how I solve them. And like, you know, if someone is, knows how to code, then they click on my GitHub and then see all my code. Yeah. Perfect. I think that's great advice. And that could go to like anyone trying to get a job in tech, not just a data scientist, um, someone who wants to do web development or um, anything that, you could put on GitHub that is code related. So another question I had when you were speaking was about cold emailing. I think there's so much value in being able to send a strong cold email and knowing how to like get a response. And you could be sending a cold email for a variety of reasons. And your case, it sounded like to people or I mean, to companies that you would want to work at. Could you talk a bit about that? Like, how you went about the cold email. Um, you said, I think you said you had about 20% conversion rate. Do you mean that that's the rate that you got a response to that email? Uh, yeah, I would just love to hear more about that. Yeah, so so 20% is the response. So I, positive response. So like it could either be, you know, right now, not like 
we could schedule this for in the future or hey let's do it this week um or we're maybe we're not hiring but i'll keep you you know like follow up later like that's for me is like a positive one because there's still a chance but uh in terms of like cold emails i think you have like these warm connections next to you know you know um you know maybe acquaintances but i think to really maximize i think that's why cold emails are so important and there's an art to writing them if you're writing to so if you're writing to somebody in the same position as you, like if you're writing to another data scientist, then you can talk about, um, you know, your background, your projects, like more friendly and the email can be a little longer. I think that, uh, but when you're talking to like a hiring manager and this is what I found most successful and I've also done some reading on this is, um, they should be short. So they should be short and they should be concentrated on a problem they have. So, for example, right now, uh, I work for Discovery, uh, like Discovery Channel, Discovery Communications, and we're hiring somebody. Um, if someone was to send me an email saying, like, very short, say, like, and this is the type of emails I wrote. So they, they would say, you know, hi, my name is X, and, um, you know, I really like Discovery because of Y. I see that, for example, we just uh, acquired scripts. We're in the process of acquiring another company. They're like, okay, so, oh, I, I noticed that you're acquiring, you know, scripts. Um, you know, a lot of when companies acquire another company, this is a problem that's very common. Um, you know, and I've solved this problem before and here's a link to my site and you could see the problem I've solved. You know, I would love to grab coffee, whatever. Thanks. Right. You know, that's, it's like very short. Uh, it just addresses the person's pain point and then you're gone. It's not long. It's not like just talking about your life. Like it just solves, it's about them. It's about you're empathetic to their problem. So, and I think a lot of mistake. one of the mistakes people make is they'll send like a friendly email, like a long life story email to somebody that's a hiring manager that has like zero time to read your email. And uh, so that's, that's what I found to be most uh, useful. Yes. I think there is so much we could even unpack just with what you, to the, the response you just gave. But one of the big takeaways I'm hearing is just knowing your audience. So who you're writing the email to. Yeah, if it's a fellow data scientist or if it's a hiring manager who may be getting bombarded with emails and just to keep the email short, not give your life story and just make it super clear on how you can solve a specific problem for them. Exactly. So I'm curious, as you mentioned, today you work for Discovery Communications. Did you get that position through a cold email? No. So I... Um... I got that through a recruiter. Okay, cool. Did you get any of your earlier positions, though, from a cold email? So I got a couple meetings, but while that was happening, a lot of the... So, okay, the first position after uh, Metis, I was working with somebody else at like a very small startup. And that was, like, you know, they had a talk, and I went up to them and asked them to if I could help with them. So I, I don't think that's a cold email, but it was just like a cold introduction, and... We ended up working together. Uh, but the rest was just that. And then after that, it was discovery, but it wasn't through a cold email. Okay, but it was still through a recruiter. And did they find you on LinkedIn or through your website or something? So it was through LinkedIn. Yes. And any of my longtime listeners will know I love LinkedIn. I always talk about LinkedIn as such an important tool <laughs> in getting a job in tech. And I think like for people first starting out, it's like really, really crucial. But then even when you're further along, like how you were when you got this job at Discovery, right? You already were a data scientist somewhere else. But then uh, these recruiters are using it as like a discovery. Well, sorry to use the word discovery twice, but they're using it as a discovery platform, <laughs> right? For finding candidates. And then you actually were approached 
and that saves you time from having to apply to new positions. So it's like a win. No, absolutely. Yeah, awesome. So how long have you been at Discovery Communications now? Eight months. So still, I, I don't know, I feel like that's fairly new. Yeah, I mean, I think eight months is, I don't know, I, I guess I work at a startup. So to me, eight months is a pretty long time. I guess at my company, a ton can happen in eight months. It feels like every week is almost like a month. Yeah, so so that's really exciting, though. And then what kind of work are you doing there? So I work on, um, you know, everybody knows Discovery for like, you know, TV network. But we're making a big push for digital. So now we're trying to be, you know, we have like apps, we have, uh, we're on connect devices. Um, and so I'm a data scientist on the digital side. So I handle a lot of um, like hit level data and then trying to find, you know, there's, there's so much analysis, like where are people, once they enter the app, where are people stopping? Uh, how can we cluster together different shows so that we can, you know, recommend it to people? How can we understand our own shows and understand our own audience um, by clustering these these populations together? Um, but I think a lot of just focusing on understanding our audience and where is the next point of growth for our digital product because it's almost it's I think it's like about a year and a half old. Not, not, not really. Like it's very, it's a very young product. Got it, got it. So at work, how many other people are you working with, like on the data team? So our data team is still very small since we're starting. Um, since since the product is so so new, right now we have a team of three, and uh, we're hiring somebody else, and then we may hire other people in the future. Got it. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So well, it, so even though you are working at this bigger company. It's this newer product, so the data team is still smaller. But that must be really exciting. In a lot of ways, you must be getting a lot of autonomy, I would imagine. Yes, <laughs> a lot. Um, it's like a balance because sometimes, um, you know, maybe like the higher ups want something like a metric done, and I have to, you know, come up with that very quickly. But at the same time, if there's, if we have an idea and we're like, hey, we think this is a good idea to like to check out, or hey, like this is something interesting uh the upper management there's no there's no there's not a lot of structure like somebody like from that has a very low position can offer something and then that gets implemented so i think that's that's what i like about it yeah and one thing you mentioned really early on in our conversation was how uh like most of what you learned early on was is nothing that you're using today so I'm curious, what skills and technologies are you using today at your uh, position at Discovery Communications? So I'm actually am using so, some of the things, but not like I had to like relearn them uh, because I've forgotten so much. So it's I'm using a lot of Python and SQL. I'm using uh, like pandas, like that's from Python. Uh, using some uh, SK Learn. Um, I think that those packages, but mainly in terms of languages, uh, Python and SQL. Um, that's what, what, that's what I use day to day. Got it. Sorry. What was the one thing you mentioned? SK learn. How do you spell that? Uh, it's, it's really, a, it's, it's really scikit learn. So S C I like sci and then kit and then learn. Okay. K I T learn. Yeah. All right. That's, I, like, that's a machine learning. Okay. Yeah. I was gonna say, I've heard of that before, but I have a feeling a lot of listeners maybe haven't. Could you just explain what that is a little bit? Yeah. So it's just, um, let me see, like NumPy is for maybe speeding up calculations, like uh, doing like linear algebra. 
scikit-learn is for machine learning. So now if you want to run a model, if you want to build a regression model, um, scikit-learn has all the code already written up so that you can just train this model to the data that you have. Okay, so it's a package for machine learning? Yes. Got it. And then do you use Python with that? Is that something like a Python package? Yeah, it's a Python package. Okay, and it's for machine learning, so you can run, um, just, I'm sorry, did you say run models on sets of data? Yeah, so like if, if uh, this didn't exist, I would have to like code up like the math behind the models, but uh, somebody just like wrote up, you know, a group of people just wrote up all these, all the, the math already, so that if I have, like if I have the data already to train, it's already written up. It's like all automated. Got it, got it. And for the listeners, we'll definitely link to um, these different things in the show notes so you can learn more about them and all of that good stuff. So, Fernando, thank you so much for coming on the show. You like gave us so much information. I really loved what you had to say about the marketing aspect and about how you learned earlier on and everything that you're doing today. And I just wanted to add that I am so impressed uh, with you because I feel like a lot of data scientists that I know, at least personally, have had, um, you know, advanced training. And, and when I say advanced training, I mean like PhDs or something related. And I think it's so awesome that you were able to transition careers just from going to like these boot camps. And now you're a data scientist at a big company. So kudos to you. Thank you. Thank you. There's going to be a lot more of me. Trust me. Your listeners, they're all going to be data. Like, it's like, it's a new wave of people. Yeah, and I always tell folks um, who email at me and say, oh, I'm really interested in data science or something that's kind of related to data. Should I go for it? And I always tell them yes, because uh, at least in my experience, it is such an in-demand career and an in-demand field. Like I'll tell you, at the company that I work for, we have a much harder time filling data roles than software engineering roles. And I think that just goes to show like how lucrative a career in data science is and how in demand these positions are. And there's like honestly not enough people to fill the roles. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. The same thing is, uh, happens in our company. There's very few people that actually, in terms of data, like there's a team of us of three, but there's a bunch of data people, but they use, um, they use like Google Analytics uh, I think a lot of people are just afraid to code. So I think that's why it's important to have, you know, like these, this podcast and your website to really like take the fear out of coding, because I think it could offer a lot of people um, like more control over their lives. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for saying that. That means a lot. Um, and finally, Fernando, where can people find you online? So I have a website. It's fernandodata.com. You could, you can find my email there. Uh, you can set up some time with me there. I really just, uh, I really like to help people and making it easier to transition, you know, whatever career they're in into data science. And I'm actually even more interested in people that have no technical background because that's where I came from. And I think the the process can be smoother than if you just trial and error. So you can find me at fernandodata.com. Great. Thank you again for coming on. Thank you so much, Lawrence. Thanks for listening. If you want a recap of this episode, you can find the show notes at learntocodewith.me forward slash podcast. From there, you can browse through recent episodes or find old favorites using the search icon in the upper right corner. If you enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe to my show on whichever podcast player you use. For more free tech-related resources, tips, and recommendations, visit my website and blog at learntocodewith.me. 
Tune in again next week for a new episode of the Learn to Co with Me podcast. See you then. Thank you.